0: Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 20. you are going to be looking at verses 19 through 23 this evening. Again, that's John chapter 20 verses 19 through 23. We looked at a passage uh, related to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and its relationship to the new creation in the morning, and now we're going to look at a passage from the book of John as well related to the same topic, but now uh, the new creation and resurrection. And so give your attention now to the reading of God's Word from John chapter 20 verses 19 through 23. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were, were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Then he, uh, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and, and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Thus far the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord once again in prayer. Father, we do pray that you, would, that you would bless the preaching of your word now, that you would help us to see the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we think about our own struggles with, with sin and the desire we have to live a godly life. Help us to see what has been done to secure our, our sanctification. And may it be that we would, uh, that we would see uh, the glory of the new creation worked through the Lord Jesus Christ, who has been raised from the dead, and may it be that we would live in this reality, the reality of the new creation, walking in step with your spirit. For we do ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as I mentioned in the morning, we have been look- we looked at the-, the death of Christ and the way in which Christ's death brought in the new creation. Christ says it is finished uh, on the cross to indicate that the work of the new creation has in fact been done and now we're going to look at the resurrection and this is particularly uh, from the, the part of this passage that we read. We're just going to be looking at a brief part of it uh, in verse 22 where the Lord Jesus Christ says, uh, where it says that the Lord Jesus Christ breathed on his disciples and said to them, receive uh, the Holy Spirit. So he breathes on the disciples. He says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is significant for a number of reasons that we're going to get into, uh, but one of the things we see in another place in the Scriptures from uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is that Paul, when he describes what happened with the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead in 1 Corinthians 15, particularly verse 45, he says that uh, that Christ was made, by his resurrection from the dead, a life-giving spirit. So, so Christ is made a life-giving spirit. And in the context, uh, Paul is calling uh, Christ the last Adam. So there was the first Adam. He became a living being. So there, uh, there's a clear allusion there to Genesis 2-7 where um, God forms Adam from the dust of the earth. So um The apostle Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 15 about us bearing the image of the man of dust. So Adam is made out of the dust and then God breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And when God breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, then he becomes a living being. And so in the same way, then, Paul Paul says here with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ, the last Adam is not one who was made from the dust and then had the the breath of life breathed into him in that way, but he is the one who became a life-giving spirit, and this by virtue of the resurrection uh, from the dead. Now, this is not at all to say that there is a denial of the reality of the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll know that uh, Jehovah's Witnesses tried to use this passage in order to... Uh, tried to to prove that there is uh, no such thing as the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, There uh, clearly can be no such thing that can be proved uh, from this. The point that Paul is making is not that uh, when he says there is a natural body and a spiritual body, he's not trying to say that we do not have a real resurrection. What he is saying, rather, is that the nature of the resurrection is such that it is a life animated by the Spirit, is a life animated by the Holy Spirit, that there's something about the giving of the Holy Spirit that indicates that the new creation has begun. And this is why it's significant that the Lord Jesus Christ then would be the life-giving spirit by virtue of the resurrection from the dead. Um, when we bear the image of the man of dust, it's because God breathes into us the breath of life. In order for us to become the new creation, a new creation in Christ, Christ himself, who is the life-giving spirit, Breathes into us in the same way the Holy Spirit. And therefore, in the resurrection, the kind of life that we live is a life animated first and foremost uh, by the Holy Spirit. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he speaks of a natural body and a spiritual body. And this is significant then when we come to this particular text uh, in John chapter 20. Christ was raised from the dead uh, by the Spirit. He then pours out the Spirit on his people, and since he is the one who pours out the Spirit on his people, he becomes the source of the new creation for all of his people. Uh, Christ is raised by the Spirit, then he breathes the Spirit out on his people that they might live by that Spirit. Even as Adam had the breath of life filling his nostrils, so too we have the Spirit filling ours that we might live in this new creation. Now, the 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 result of this is, of course, if you are in Christ, then you are a new creation. If Christ has breathed this spirit into, your, in, into you, then just as uh, Adam was created on that sixth day of creation, in this way, the, the the breath of life, so to speak, so too, uh, if you have the Spirit of Christ, then you must be a new creation because you've had that new work done uh, for you just like Adam had in the first uh, creation. And then the point is, the point that we'll be drawing out from this is that uh, if it is the case that you are a new creation then, uh, then you must so live. Uh, you must live in dependence upon the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit. Uh, and this is even most fundamentally what it means uh, to be a new creation. If you are a new creation, it means you are living a life animated by the Spirit. You have received the Holy Spirit from the one who is the life-giving Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ. He breathes this onto, uh, into you. And this is to be now the, the characteristic, the defining feature of your life, that you walk in step with the Spirit. And so we'll look at this uh, theme really again under two headings, uh, just like uh, this morning, we're gonna, going to look at uh, this new creation theme in the Gospel of, of John as it relates to the giving of the Spirit, and particularly then the, the text that we just looked at, and uh, then we'll look at the significance of this for our lives, uh, the new creation life uh, in the Spirit. So I, as you remember, uh, one of the things that's a very very much a, a, a great and major theme in the Gospel of John is that John uh, develops a number of Uh, Creation themes, and he will link these to the doctrine of salvation. And the point is to show that salvation is like creation. And the point is to show that uh, when you see salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not just some small thing that's happening, but it is in fact the beginning of the new creation, which is something that the prophets were always speaking of. Uh, the prophets always spoke of uh, the day of salvation, the day of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as the day when the world would be renewed, when when the people of God would experience this new creation. And there's a number of ways in which, uh, in which John has shown this as we looked at just uh, some of them this morning. And the point here is to say that when it says that Christ breathes uh, the Spirit on his disciples, that they themselves were newly made by Christ. That's, that's the point that is being uh, made here. Now, as I mentioned, um, the, the main link with the Old Testament here that's significant for our understanding of what it means for Jesus to breathe the Spirit on his disciples is from Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 7. And this is a a, a link that a number of commentators have pointed to Um, the the language of Genesis 2-7 compared to the language of uh, John chapter 20, verse 22. The breathing on them, receiving the Spirit uh, is very, very similar. Uh, You'll remember that uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the word for breath, in terms of breath of life, is related to the word for Spirit. Now, it's a little bit different uh, in the Hebrew of Genesis 2:7, but the, 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 the link does come out uh, in, in the Greek, and clearly the, the ideas are, are the same. The idea is that, uh, that there would be a breathing out, and that there is then the result uh, the, the resulting creation is, uh, is in fact a life that comes, and this is the, the point that um, John is trying to make in, Genesis, in, uh, in John chapter 20, verse 22. Now, um, just to answer a, another question that may come up that you may be wondering, um, does this Contradict Luke's account of the giving of the Spirit. Uh, You remember that uh, Luke's account of the giving of the Spirit happens uh, a good bit differently in in the Book of Acts. Uh, There, the giving of the Spirit is something that has to be waited on for a long time, and it's not done privately. The Lord Jesus Christ ascends, and then the Spirit is poured out on His people. Uh, And uh, basically, the 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 answer to that is is no. There's no there's no difference. Uh, This. Well, what uh, John is describing here in John chapter 20 verse 22 is, is actually just a, a different act. Um, so it's not, it's not the giving of the Spirit in Pentecost, but it's simply um, a way that Jesus was indicating the significance of what the giving of the Spirit meant. He says, receive the Spirit. He breathes on them to indicate when you receive the Spirit, this will be the indication that a new creation has in fact happened. You are to, to see the link with uh, Genesis chapter 2 uh, verse 7. And uh, again, it's very much linked to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ breathes the Spirit into the disciples, and he does that because he is, in fact, the life-giving Spirit. You'll notice as well the significance of the fact in verse 19 uh, that John goes out of his way again to record that this happens on the first day of the week. So here, again, immediately after the resurrection, we have resurrection theology, the thing that happens on the first day of the week, the dawn of the new creation, the thing that we celebrate every single Lord's Day is that Christ is going to breathe out the Spirit on his people. Uh, Now, another important Old Testament link to what is going on here is Ezekiel chapter 37. This is one of the ways that we know that the, the prophets, it's one of the ways that the prophets will describe the coming salvation as a new creation. And even... Genesis 37 itself is very much related to Genesis chapter 2. So if you remember Genesis chapter uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, the valley of the dry bones, it's a very famous story. So Ezekiel looks out, he's shown a vision, and uh, it's the people of God, uh, so it's supposed to be a vision of the people of God, in, in, you know, metaphorically described as dry bones, and God asks him, a son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. And what the Lord then says to Ezekiel is, he says, prophesy to the bones and breathe on them and when you breathe on them the spirit will enter them and then they will be raised from the dead they will they will be they will come back to life and so, so there the idea is that uh, the salvation that's going to come in the end, the resurrection itself is going to come uh, through a breathing out of the Spirit. Uh, in this sense, it's, it's a new creation, just like how Adam had the breath of life breathe into him. So too, the expectation that Ezekiel is now painting for the people of God is that you, when, you'll know the new creation has come when the Spirit is breathed out onto the, onto the dry bones and they are then raised from the dead uh, as well. And so it's significant then when the Lord Jesus Christ um, is raised from the dead himself by the power of the Spirit, having even, um, in John chapters 14 to 16, promised the giving of the Spirit, that he himself then says, he breathes on them and says, receive now the Holy Spirit. He is clearly declaring himself to be the the one, the sovereign one, who grants the Spirit at his pleasure, and in so granting the Spirit, uh, grants the new creation to all of those who are in him. Now, one of the other significant things about this particular text is it comes very close to the very end of the book of John. And what this means then is that uh, the Gospel of John is basically bookended with these very clear references to creation. Um, At the very beginning, we we talked this morning about the the prologue, the beginning of, of the Gospel of John. At uh, the beginning of, of the book of John, there's this, these very clear references to creation and new creation um, in, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so John begins that way, and then after the resurrection of the dead happens, then he ends that way with a declaration from the Lord Jesus Christ saying, um, receive now the Holy Spirit after he breathes uh, on them. And so just as, um, as the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is in the beginning through whom all things came into existence, he is also the word made flesh Who is able to grant uh, by the Spirit to all of those who are in him the right to become the children of God, the sons of God who were born actually of God. He has the right, the ability to grant uh, that birth, that new birth uh, in God uh, himself. And so with, with, with these, we see there's, a, there's a, again, a very clear link between um, the Lord Jesus Christ, his resurrection, uh, and even then the new creation, and John has been has, uh, points that out. There's a couple of other places that are significant when we think about uh, the idea of, of resurrection, new creation, and the giving of the Spirit. Um, first, uh, the, these two places are really John chapter 4 and John chapter 7. And there you'll remember in both of those places— The Holy Spirit is described as living waters. And Christ claims also in both these places to be the the one who sovereignly grants the living waters to all uh, who ask of him. Uh, Christ is the one who is able to do this. And as he's talking to the woman at the well, you remember, uh, he says, you know, if if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me and I would give to you living waters and it would well up into your heart for everlasting life. Uh, Something similar is said in John chapter seven, in the context of the Feast of Booths, a feast that was meant to commemorate the people of God wandering in the wilderness. One of the things that the prophets had prophesied is that in the wilderness there would be a pouring out of like water. The Spirit would be poured out like water in the wilderness and that wilderness would then become a paradise like the Garden of Eden. And so there the idea is that there will be a pouring out of the Spirit like water and that pouring out of the Spirit like water Uh, is going to be the thing that brings about the new creation. And so then the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he says, I am the one who will pour out this living water. I will pour out this living water. And the implication then is that uh, that through the pouring out of the Spirit, the new creation will come. This is said uh, very pointedly in Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. A very great picture, uh, very picturesque. If you remember this section in Ezekiel, is uh, the section where Ezekiel is describing the new temple that's going to be built, the temple that was never built um, in, in the sense of it being um, built exactly to the specification, so to speak. It's a, it's a figural description of the church. And so it is, I could say really it is being built right now through the Lord Jesus Christ as he, builds his, as he builds his church. But one of the things that is described then at the end when the temple is built is that there is a stream of water uh, that comes from the temple in Ezekiel 47. And it goes through um, all of the the desert areas and it gets deeper and deeper until it reaches even to the Dead Sea and it brings even life into the Dead Sea. And so the picture is is that uh, when this new creation comes and when the new temple is created, uh, then there will be this, these waters of life, just like in the Garden of Eden, that flow out from the temple. It, the temple will be its source, its headwaters. And from this, life will be everywhere. It'll even be able to bring to life everything in the Dead Sea. That's the, that's the vision that Ezekiel uh, sees. And so it's significant then that the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter two uh, declares himself to be that temple, destroyed this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. And then also declares himself to be the one who pours out the living waters. And if you receive the living waters from Christ, then you yourself will have everlasting life because these are the waters that grant life wherever they flow. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit and the new creation that is found in him. And so if you think then, what is it that must happen for the new creation to come? There must be a resurrection from the dead And there must be the granting of the Spirit. The prophets always connect the pouring out of the Spirit with the new creation. And that's because the whole point is, the new creation itself is characterized by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter seven, John will say, the Spirit was not given before. It was not given, but then when Jesus was raised, now the Spirit is given. The indication is that now we are in the new creation. Now we have people who have breathed into them, just like Adam, the Holy Spirit itself. This is, this is the, the doctrine of the new creation that John gives us in his gospel. And if this is the case, brothers and sisters, it has great implications for the way that you are to live your life. When you think about, when you think about the fact that you are a new creation, the Apostle Paul calls you that in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, What does that mean by implication in terms of the way that you are to live? It means first and foremost that you are to live a life that is walking in step with the Holy Spirit. That your life is to be animated by the Spirit now even as in the resurrection. The resurrection will be a granting of life to you, uh, to your your outer body where where you will be animated by the Spirit in that way. But even now you already in the inner being, your inner being, having received the Spirit from Christ, are also a new creation in Him. And therefore, brothers and sisters, we need to think very carefully about what it means to walk in step with the Spirit. This is something that would distinguish us from Old Testament saints in very many ways. Now, there are things that the Holy Spirit did for Old Testament saints just like the Holy Spirit does for us, and yet there is a new thing that happened with the giving of the Spirit by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there is something with regard to the work of the Spirit that is tied to the that are tied to certain acts of redemption, uh, such that um, the Spirit could not be given before resurrection. It could not be given before the Lord Jesus Christ obtained the Spirit uh, by dying on the cross and by being raised again. And therefore, us being a part of the new creation—that is the thing that is new. We we cannot be. You could not be a new creation. Uh, while you were an Old Testament saint. You could be a real saint. You were effectually called by the Holy Spirit, who did the same work for you as he does uh, for for us, did did the same work for any any Old Testament saints as he does for any New Testament saint. And yet, you could not be uh, a saint in the sense of receiving the Spirit and entering into the new creation. You can't enter the new creation before Christ, and Christ had not come yet. And therefore, everyone in the Old Testament was looking forward to a new creation that was going to come. The prophets described it as something future. In the future, the new creation will come, and that new creation will come when the Spirit is poured out. And Christ is telling you, that is the thing that has happened. That's the thing that has happened. And therefore, there ought to be really a great difference between the way that you live your life and even the way that an Old Testament saint is able to live his, uh, because your life is animated by the Spirit in a way that his could not be. And so we need to think through then a number of things that, uh, that the, the scriptures say with regard to uh, the way in which we are to live our lives and the relationship between this and the Spirit. You'll, you'll notice that when you read through the epistles of, of Paul, for instance, that the exhortations to sanctification and godly living are always rooted in your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ and by implication and explicitly in other places, your relationship to the Spirit your relationship to Christ and the fact that you have received the Spirit ground every single exhortation. The Christian life is not one where you are just to say, you know, I've been saved from my sins in the sense of I've been forgiven of my sins. I've been accounted righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to just try my best doing the exact same things I did before I was converted and to just do those things and just try harder. Uh, That is not the way that a Christian makes progress in the Christian life. Uh, You are to labor with everything in you in in ways that show your dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ, walking in step with the Spirit as you try and seek to grow in godliness. Um, Because it's only in the Spirit that you can really be sanctified. There's no sense in which you can be sanctified outside of the Spirit, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so if you think of what what, uh, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, where there's a number of exhortations that are giving about the way in which Christians are to live their lives. And he says, uh, if you have died with Christ, then you are to put to death the misdeeds of the body. So if you are united to Christ and have died with him, in light of that relationship, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. Now, if you've not died with Christ, the exhortation does not help you. And you certainly are not trying to put to death the misdeeds of the body in a way that's separated from your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only, it can only work if you are doing it as one who is, in fact, a Christian. If you have died with Christ, then you are to put to death the misuse of the body. Then when the Apostle Paul speaks of the things that you should do, he says, if you have been raised with him, if you've been raised with him, you've, you've died with him, therefore put to death the misuse of the body. If you've been raised with him, now walk in the newness of life. Uh, you, you, you're a positive uh, sanctification, so to speak. The things that you are supposed to do are only done by the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in your hearts, which he has given to you uh, by the Spirit. This is why uh, the Apostle Paul says, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, The Christian life is one of walking in the Spirit. This is the thing that distinguishes uh, distinguishes a believer from an unbeliever. A believer walks in step with the Spirit. Later he'll say uh, in verse 25 of the same chapter, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It is by the Spirit that you have been made new creations in Christ. If you are a new creation in Christ by the Spirit, then you are of course to walk by the Spirit. You're not just to, to, again, just attempt out a good and moral life, so to speak, uh, through your own strength, but you are to do so in dependence upon uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and in dependence upon the Spirit. And it is in this context, actually, between those two verses that I quoted, that the fruit of the Spirit is then described. And you think of uh, what are the uh, what is the fruit of the Spirit? It's a description of godly living, uh, but it is not the fruit of, uh, of exertion through your own strength. It is only the fruit of the Spirit. It is the mark of every true Christian because every true Christian has been made a new creation by that Spirit. And so when we think of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, these are the things that are worked in the hearts of a Christian only by the Spirit. And this is why the Apostle Paul will say, again in Galatians chapter six, for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but a new creation a new creation. Uh, Brothers and sisters, you have to recognize there has been something that has been done that is um, even greater than God speaking the entire world into existence out of nothing, that you partake in, and that it is to lead directly to your sanctification. And therefore, brothers and sisters, there really can be no place for the kind of Christian life where you just resign yourself to your sins, where you just believe, you know, I struggle with this sin and I'm just going to keep struggling. And I'm just, you know, I know that there's not much I can do. I will never be perfect in this life. Brothers and sisters, that is that is not the, 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 the disposition of a Christian who understands that he has been made a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Being made a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ means now the fundamental way that you live is walking in step with the Spirit, which means you are not gratifying the lust of the flesh. Now, this does not mean that you will be perfect. The scriptures say that we will never be perfect in this life, and yet it does say that you are no longer a slave to sin. You are not a slave to sin. And so as you think about your prayers for the sins that you struggle with, the mentality ought not to be defeatist. Now, when you think about your own weakness, Perhaps you can say, you know, Lord, I'm very weak. I see in myself I've got no strength to fight against these sins. That's fine. That's fine. We, we're all like that. But rather than having that lead you to a defeatist mentality with regard to your sins, uh, the better thing to do is in faith to say, Lord, I know that I am weak, but I know you have given me the Holy Spirit and have made me a new creation. May it be that when I am weak, you would display your strength in me by your spirit, the power whereby you are remaking all of creation, which you have granted to me that I might not be a slave to sin. And may it be that through the power of that spirit, you would grant that sin would be defeated in my life. Uh, there is a, a laboring after righteousness, but it is a laboring in such a way that you are depending upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that you show your faith in the reality of what it means to be a Christian. That you have been made truly a new creation. Now, when we think about sanctification, there are really two parts to it. So we need to go. We need to go into this a little bit because of the uh, relationship to the Spirit. We think about what it means to live a new creation life. Uh, there are two parts to it. The first is putting to death certain sins. And the second is being trained in righteousness. So historically, this has been called uh, mortification. In mortification, we put sins to death, the things that we are not to do. And then the other is vivification. The idea is we are to live to certain things. We are to to, uh, do certain things, train ourselves in righteousness by the Spirit. You'll notice in that sanctification follows the pattern of resurrection. This is what we see in, in again, Colossians chapter 3. If you died with Christ, if you've been raised with Christ, there are certain things that you are not to do because of your death. There are certain things you are to do because of your life. Uh, this, the, the life of the believer is the resurrection life that is animated by the Spirit because the one who was raised from the dead is the one who has, in fact, poured out the Spirit on you. And he did that in John chapter 20 when he said... Uh, when he breathed on his disciples and said, receive now uh, the Holy Spirit. And so there are things that you are not to do. (laughs) So brothers and sisters, I ask you, uh, are you zealously putting sins to death in your life? Are you zealously seeking to put sins to death uh, in your life? Now, again, this cannot be done outside of Christ. Uh, Are you zealously seeking to do this? Do you believe that God is able to give you real progress in the mortification of your sins? Do you believe that? Remember, when we think about the blessings of the gospel, justification is a blessing of the gospel. Sanctification is another blessing of the gospel. It is a real blessing of the gospel. If God grants justification, he will also grant sanctification. Even as you are required to believe in God for your justification, You are also required to believe in God for your sanctification, believing that God is the one who will work in you, who is able to, by the Spirit, help you to put sin to death in your life. He is the one who will do this for you. I think of what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's no sense in those kinds of statements that the Apostle Paul is having a defeatist mentality when it comes to sanctification, that I'm just going to keep falling, and there's nothing that can be done. He says, no, let us put aside all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and let us perfect holiness in the fear of God. Let us bring it to perfection. Now, again, brothers and sisters, this is not to say that there will be, per- that there will be a perfection in the sense of no sins ever. But there is a very clear difference between the life that's sanctified and the life that's not. And that is the life that you are to pursue uh, by the Spirit. Now, secondly then, um, there's not just a putting to death the misdeeds of the body, but there's also a living to righteousness. And you were to ask then, how are you to do this? What what, what are you to do? Uh, Well, for one thing, it means uh, uh, making a diligent use of all the means of grace. So remember, the means of grace are those things that God uses to grow us in our faith. They're the things that God uses to, to grow us in our knowledge of Him so that we can be sanctified. Uh, that you are diligently in the Word, diligently listening to sermons, that you are diligently pursuing knowledge of the Word in the context of your family, that you are often in prayer, that when you sin, you repent quickly And you are pleading with the Lord uh, in faith that he will take away your sins from you and even enable you uh, to live to righteousness. It means uh, partaking of the sacraments. It means uh, when you partake of the Lord's Supper to to have a a remembrance of your sins, calling to mind the things that, that you've done. And then also to pray to God that he would grant you strength to live to him. Uh, by uh, by even the sacrament itself that he would uh, that he would give the thing that signified in it and that you would grow in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, it means that you are uh, not only to to put off hatred but you are to put on love it means that you are not only to put off envy and malice but that you are to positively strive to serve others it means that you are um, not only to avoid certain bad things, but you are even to uh, pursue the greatest of all things, and per- to pursue uh, the, the, the kingdom of God, seeking first God's kingdom and the advancement of the kingdom, the sanctification of God's name uh, in all things, that you are to have uh, a deep-seated love for other Christians and, and a very real concern for those who are outside of Christ, that you have a concern first and foremost for the sake of the glory of God's name and that you would positively be doing everything that you can in order to see God's name praise among the nations. Um, the Christian life is not about simply refraining from doing certain things. It is about refraining from doing certain things as you pursue better things, the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. And brothers and sisters, uh, this, is, this is the life that you are called to and that you've even been granted uh, by the Holy Spirit in the Gospel, even as you are new creations. Your life is to be a life that is animated by the Holy Spirit. You are to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is, um, it is simply the case that you are no longer a slave of sin if you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8 verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And this, is, this really should be a great comfort to you, brothers and sisters, as you think about uh, your struggle with sin, that you are not consigned to a life of being defeated by it. You are not consigned to that. Uh, God has given you uh, your, uh, His Spirit that you might walk even in the newness of life. He breathed, the Lord Jesus Christ breathed the Spirit on His people, that His people might become new creations in Him, even as God Breathe the, the the breath of life into Adam on the sixth day of creation. Now, brothers and sisters, we've been looking now uh, morning and evening. We've been the goal has been to show uh, the ways in which John indicates that the new creation has begun uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as, as I mentioned. This theme is all throughout the gospel. Hopefully you've seen that as we've just kind of touched on various points of the gospel uh, at this point. There are even others that we we could bring up in terms of links with creation, uh, new creation theology. Um, But the reason for highlighting particularly the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ is because John makes it clear that all the other ways in which the Lord Jesus Christ did things that pointed to the reality of the new creation, all of them were really pointing forward to the one great act that would in fact bring in this new creation, which is the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ taken together as a unity. Uh, everything culminates and centers upon those great acts of redemption. That, and this is uh, really, brothers and sisters, the thing that we celebrate uh, every single Lord's Day. You know, we, we think about celebrating Easter as a time when Christ rose from the dead, but remember, the reason we celebrate the first day of the week on Sunday and not on Saturday, the reason we do that is to remember every single Lord's Day, all of these great truths, that there's not just been some little thing that's been done for you, but you are a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection that you will partake of on the last day has already begun in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit who will be the one that gives life to your bodies when they lie in the grave, has already been given to you now, and you are experiencing all of those blessings now. Uh, there could be really, as you think about it, uh, nothing more climactic could be said than that, uh, the, the, that the salvation that you receive is eternal life brought in by the new creation. There are really no words that could adequately describe uh, the greatness of this, and, and the fact that it happens so often can lead us to just walk right past it but you think this is the the power of the one who spoke all of creation into existence the power of the one who spoke all of creation into existence you think before god breathes the breath of life into adam's nostrils there were no living people on the entire earth and god does that work and now there are his image bearers that will always be on the earth Brothers and sisters, every time there is a conversion, there is that um, level of significance. Even more um, of a thing that is happening—a new creation is happening—that is that even exceeds the old one. Uh, that is what is happening every time. Uh, every time uh, we think about salvation, and if this is true, brothers and sisters, let us walk in the light of the new creation. Let us remember that the darkness itself has been thrust out. The glory of God has been revealed. Let us not be enthralled by worldly ways, uh, the the things of the world that lead to death, uh, when we ourselves have been remade as new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Let us seek by the grace of God to walk in a manner worthy of this gospel uh, by which uh, we have been even remade. For again, what counts is not circumcision or uncircumcision, but a new creation, and you have been made that by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how we do how we do thank you as we think about the blessings of the gospel. What a wonderful thing to think that we have been made new creatures in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, truly, we are living in the best days. Uh, we, we can think about how great it would have been to be in this or that time and to hear from this or that prophet from the Old Testament, but Lord, Truly, uh, all of them would trade places with us in a moment. Uh, All of of them would be uh, ecstatic even to get a glimpse of the things that are ours. Uh, Help us never, Lord, to take these benefits for granted. Uh, Help us, uh, even as we cannot see what we will be on that last day, even as we cannot see that with our eyes now, may it be that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we may see with faith uh, what we truly are, in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith. And it may it be that it would cause us to worship you all the more, to know that even as we cannot make ourselves, we could not remake ourselves, O oh God, that we would ascribe all glory to you and that you would grant us the grace by your Spirit to walk even as you have made us. For we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. May God enlighten the eyes of your heart that through the preached word, your eyes may be opened to behold the glory of Christ more and more.